0: Hey everybody, this is Jimmy. Welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Tingle Show. We have a very special broadcast for you today. It is a replay of the 40th anniversary Ding Ho Comedy Club Reunion and tribute to Barry Cremins, our founder, and fundraiser for his wife, Helen Cremins, ongoing medical expenses from breast cancer and other related illnesses. So please be as generous as you can as you enjoy this wonderful uh, walk down memory lane with comics and clips from their live performances, storytelling about their relationship with the Ding Ho and Barry Cremins. I know you're gonna love it, but please do be as generous as you can with that link in the show notes all proceeds gonna benefit Helen Kremens's ongoing medical expenses. Enjoy the show. You're gonna watch the first act today. Next week, we're gonna rebroadcast the second act of the show. I know you're gonna love it. Thanks a million for joining us today and rest in peace, Barry Kremens. We love you, brother. I wanna say one really important thing before we start. This is Zoom. It's new to a lot of us. There's a few housekeeping rules, okay? Number one, if you get off, if something happens, we'll be back on. If there's a screw up, you know, some of the power goes up, we're gonna be back on. Zoom, the 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 Zoom is not gonna stop us from doing the Ding Ho 40th anniversary. Number one. Number two, this is a tribute for the late great Barry Cremens, our friend, who founded the Ding Ho in 1979. All proceeds, he passed in 2018. All proceeds are going to his lovely wife Helen, who also became ill. Uh, right before Barry, actually. She's doing great, but she all proceeds to go to, for her medical bills and living expenses. And number three, this is a reunion. We have about 30 comedians tonight. We haven't seen each other like this and I don't know, since the last reunion. Since the last reunion in 1999, uh, I think it was. But only through the miracle of Zoom can we be here. But here's the biggest thing. The victory is already ours, ladies and gentlemen. We have 30 comedians over 60 years old who figured out how to get on zoom is that beautiful that only took four hours we've done three rehearsals four hours each we all have them here tonight now i just want to let you know ladies and gentlemen that right now as i speak oh my god We have 423 people on this call, ladies and gentlemen, for the Ding Ho reunion. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you so much, 424 who have made it. There's another 900 people trying to figure out how to get in. But right now, we're gonna start the show with 424 people. I'm gonna be your host and master of ceremonies all night. My job is to keep this thing moving, bring up these great comics, a tribute to Barry, a fundraiser for Helen, and celebrate. 40 years of comedy in the Boston area with the fabulous Ding Ho alumni. I just wanna say thank you to everybody for coming. Um, it, it just means a lot to us. We, we wanted to do this live at the Somerville Theater and obviously the pandemic came, couldn't do it. We said, we gotta do it anyway. We gotta do it anyway. So everybody's been really patient and gracious about this. And I'm apologize to anybody who had a trouble getting in. Listen, none of us could believe this technology. I mean, do you remember back in the day when you even got a... I used to do a joke at the ding-ho in the 80s. Jimmy, you need a home computer. Calm down, I need a home. And here we are 40 years later on Zoom and I have a home, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, welcome to the Jimmy Tingle Sushi Bar, Japanese restaurant slash studio. You like this? I hope you do. Behind this, people are getting massages. We're gonna talk about the pandemic. We're gonna talk about a lot of things, but I wanna get things started right now and introduce you first off to, um, I wanna introduce you to Helen Kremens, who is extremely grateful for our, uh, for our efforts tonight. She wants to come on and, and thank everybody. And we also wanna say that, you know, Helen, made, he, Helen met Barry near the end of his life. She'll tell you about it, but she made him so happy. And he was, had immense happiness the last few years of his life. He was always happy, but he was really happy the last three years of his life. And uh, he was able to settle down and Bobcat it made that wonderful film. So he got the national and international recognition as well as found uh, the love of his life. And we're really glad to be able to help her out. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, uh, Helen Cremens. Uh,
1: here I come. Hey. Hey, Helen, how are you? I'm great.
0: How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a little tired and everything, and they got you on all the medication, but you look fabulous, Helen. Whatever they got you on, it's working.
1: It's just a lot of uh, sleep and makeup. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. That's what I need, sleep yeah. and makeup. <laughs> makeup. We've been working like 50 hours a week on this, and
0: it, it's going great. But Helen, I wanted to say, when did you meet Barry?
1: Uh, that was at a uh, film festival in 2015. And um, then you know he's doing all like the his press stuff for um, for Call Me Lucky, right? And and, um, and he, he just you know was a, it was a stressful time for him I believe so I, I you know we stayed in contact and then like the beginning of um, 2017 when I was first diagnosed um, he. <laughs> uh we were you know texting and messaging he was one of the first people to know what was going on with me and um he asked for my address and uh i thought he was going to send me a book or something one of his cd's yeah something like to pass the time yeah uh, an 8 by 10 of him for me to pick <laughs> <make> up um <laughs> but uh <laughs> uh instead like 10 hours later he showed up at my door with like pillows and a pot of daisy wow and yeah it was just really really sweet and then we were inseparable after that and he helped me out like through um you know the beginning of my illness and then it just it was you know it was just really like horrible timings and like i was starting to get better right when he got diagnosed and um so i was able to take care of him um and uh, yeah it's just like really really odd timing but we were so happy and uh you know we both just lifted each other up and made each other better people and more creative you sure did helen um everybody will say
0: that i've never seen barry so happy and I know. because of that relationship so thank you thank you for that and i, I know you want to thank the people here tonight that oh. all did and all the comics
1: yeah everybody here i mean i got first of all let me just say the rehearsals have been so hilarious and entertaining I and mean, being watching everyone try to figure out zoom like i mean i've used it maybe twice not to this le- you know not at this level just like with a couple of friends here and there but that has been funny and then seeing everybody together like even if it's just on a computer um watching everybody interact and you know give each other little you know little ribbing here and there is really really fun and uh I mean I'm, I just think what you've done is, here is really remarkable and I'm impressed and everybody that's participating tonight I thank you so much I think everybody who's watching um I'm, I'm just I'm really really like overwhelmed and I I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching this unfold Let's uh, the real thing after four-hour rehearsals <laughs>
0: Four four hour rehearsal. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> four hours was just getting everybody in. I, I mean, I, I was Brian Kylie camping out overnight, <laughs> and just to make sure he's in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Great, well, Helen.
0: Um, also want to say that uh, the city of Cambridge. We want to thank the city of Cambridge on yes. Tuesday. The city of Cambridge dedicated. We want to thank Councilor Tim Toomey. We want to thank Tony V for getting the ball rolling on this. Um, they dedicated a square to Barry kremens right next to the Ding Ho. There is a beautiful sign that they put up, a beautiful plaque, it's uh, right next to the Ding Ho. And if you wanna pull up that plaque, Matt? Check this out. Barry kremens Square, site of the legendary Ding Ho Comedy Club, 1979, 1984. Founded by renowned comedian, author, and social activist, Barry kremens 1953, 2018. That is beautiful. Thank you, Cambridge City Council. Thank you, Councilor Toomey, and everybody who participated in that, especially Tony V. and uh, uh, Let's see, uh, Sal Domenico, I believe, was a state senator who helped get the ball rolling, and Jim Henry, Jim Henry, who's
1: worked with Sal. So thank you guys for all that work. And yeah. right. It was such a great great ceremony and I, I appreciate everybody being there and everything that was was done that day so, Yes,
0: thank you. Wow. And I also want to thank the media. The media really stepped up for us I, We this is crazy, but only in Boston would this happen. We had Jim Jim Sullivan Former writer for the globe. Okay now writing for WBUR He was doing an article for the artery. So it's, it's online in WBUR. Thank you, Jim Sullivan unbeknownst to us until two days ago James, Jim Sullivan now writing for the Globe, a different Jim Sullivan, who yeah. wrote a beautiful article in the Globe. So we have two different articles from two different Jim Sullivans in the city of Boston. What are the chances there would be two people writing in journalism in the city of Boston both named Jim Sullivan? What are the chances? Maybe 50-50 in Boston? it's massachusetts so yeah, it's massachusetts <laughs> <laughs> right. a lot of sullies so, we want to thank all the media that helped us out and gave all the plugs and everybody that posted on facebook and and all of that and we want to just introduce you right now to um barry Cremens. we a lot of you read about him and heard about him and we have a clip of him right now performing at the Somerville theater this is the 1999 Ding Ho reunion we did at the Somerville theater uh barry and i put it together and many other people and uh, it's a really, a really great set. And it's just a taste of what Barry, Barry always did. So enjoy this cool clip from Barry Cremens.
2: I live in Cambridge. It's weird for me because I grew up in the United States. In Cambridge, we don't have bars. We have alcohol co-ops. If you get rowdy, you have to throw yourself out. Okay, buddy, let's go. I don't think he'll be back. Then I got into being a Cambridge person. I got herbal backpacks. I got earth sneakers. I got so much macrame hanging from the ceiling in my apartment that I get up to go to the bathroom at night. I get rope burns on my elbow. <laughs> got into astrology for a while, until I realized they ended up with a really shitty sign. I'm a cancer. Hi, I'm a cancer. What are you, multiple sclerosis? <laughs> Other signs are good. They get, like, NFL teams. Aries the Ram, Leo the Lion. I get Cancer the Crab sounds like a terminal social disease. That's taken out more significance since I first did that 20 years ago at the thing. Huh? Uh-huh. I'm a uh, proponent of gun control. For those of you in the National Rifle Association, proponent means I'm in favor gun control. They say, if guns are outlawed, well, the outlaws will have guns. I say, fine, part of their job. <laughs> if guns are outlawed, a lot of pinheads won't have guns. Could be rather a nice mix. Well, I was here, we had to write to bear arms for over 200 years now. Fine, bear arms from over 200 years ago. <laughs> when was the last time someone in this room got arrested for carrying a concealed musket? <laughs> Not recently, people are working 24 hour stores don't get nervous, some gives them with a funnel shaped thing under their coat. Holy shit, I think he's got a musket. To <laughs> pull whatever he wants. But we should be allowed to protect ourselves. We have better weapons, more patriotic weapons, more freely available. Baseball bats. <laughs> I say, turn it three to seven, man. Get a Noamar Garcia Power 34. <laughs> Baseball bats are wonderful weapons, even if you follow the assailant off. <laughs> doesn't matter. The <laughs> best thing about a baseball bat as opposed to a gun is no small challenge ever walked into his parents' bedroom, reached the bureau door of a baseball bat, and said, Jimmy, what's that? <laughs> 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 uh, too bad that it's still as funny today as it was 20 years ago. Huh? <laughs> now, we've got a little better on the gun. We've got. We got the Brady Bill going for us. Uh, Finally, someone with brain damage on our side of the issue.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good old ding-ho
2: Ooh! 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 They're easier to get now that everybody's not drinking so much, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Same crew downstairs, but we got like 36 designated drivers now.
0: taste of Barry Crummings, ladies and gentlemen. Funny talking about guns, school shootings, unbelievable. Some of the solutions for school shootings, people say we need to arm the teachers, arm the teachers. First of all, my brother is a teacher. It is a stressful job. Don't give him a gun. That'll cause more problems. And my wife went to Catholic school. She said, Jimmy, if the nuns ever had guns, a lot of kids never would have graduated. My job tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is to keep this show moving. We're gonna be doing interviews with many of the comedians. But right now, I wanna kick it off with the gentleman. The interesting thing about the Ding Ho, and one of the wonderful things about it is, a lot of the comics who started there went on to Letterman, The Tonight Show, writing for Conan O'Brien, filmmakers, uh, National Public Radio with Paula, filmmaking with Bobby Goldthwaite they're, they're all over the place in entertainment. Voiceovers with Tom Kenny. They're just, they're everywhere. And this gentleman, the first guy I'm gonna bring up, actually started was one of those guys who was actually doing comedy before I think Ding Ho ever opened in the 70s. He was a real legendary comedian here in Boston and he was on the bill at the Somerville uh, Theater in 1999. Please welcome to the show, the comedy stylings of Teddy Bergeron. One
2: of the reasons that the Ding Ho was so successful uh, was because
4: of uh, the intelligence of this area with all the colleges and universities for a uh, very worldly crowd, and uh, do we make a big deal about our colleges or what? Because when you really think about it, they give you
2: essay questions in your final exams.
5: Now, who can't bullshits way through an essay question? Think about it. I still love those. Explain the Industrial Revolution. Well, <laughs> to explain the Industrial Revolution, one must go into great detail. Because <laughs> the Industrial Revolution was unlike. Other revolutions, (laughs) such as the American Revolution, the Indian Revolution, and the Industrial Revolution, was unlike
6: revolutions in other parts of the world,
5: such as the Spanish Revolution the French Revolution. If you'd like to discuss
7: this
6: with me any further, I have a guest.
2: Short time to create the energy. And that's what life is, isn't it, my friend? It's energy, right? Positive and negative energy. And we battle with it, don't we? All day long happens to me. I see a girl.
5: I'm filled with positive energy. She wants me.
3: She wants me.
5: But then the negative energy comes. <laughs> but what would a beautiful girl like her? want would somebody like me?
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> then the positive returns.
2: Maybe she's an idiot. <laughs>
5: Some people are all negative energy, they're no fun, are they? No, they bring everybody down, they're no fun. And there's one every show, which so I went to see Peter Pan on Broadway. And at the end of the
2: play, all the little kids were so excited, especially when she flew above the crowd. And the kids were like,
3: look at it fly, look at it
2: fly. There's always that jerk in the back and a deep voice.
4: She's oh! sportscaster. Are they I think the most like negative critical people that ever was? Because you're watching you watch like a diver and he's
2: off the board and he backflips him with double somersault and he spins out of that and he pivots to the left, to the right, upside down, triple cockwheel, lift in the water and you're like, wow, and you hear, no that's a shame. <laughs> Unresolved anger. Suppressed anger. Don't get angry. But it's difficult, especially in Massachusetts. But <laughs> you do have to drive in the traffic here. Yeah, that's going to piss anybody
5: off, huh? Driving in traffic? I don't care who you are, you're going to be pissed off. You can be the nicest guy in the world. Maybe on a blind date, trying to show her
6: how thoughtful you are. Oh, you look so special. I'm so excited. It's our first date. I hope we have many more. And because you're so special, I'm going to take you to my favorite restaurant. Yeah, because it's special just like you. And it's not far from here, nah, no. just on the road a piece. But we should be
3: there as soon as
0: Teddy Bergeron, ladies and gentlemen. Teddy Bergeron, give him the virtual clap. I wish we had the reaction buttons. You might have reaction buttons on your screen. If you do, you can give people a thumbs up or you can give them a little clap right there. We really appreciate it. Excellent. Um, By the way, we are going in alphabetical order tonight just because it's simple and everybody remembers the alphabet. So we got Teddy Bergeron. Right now, I'd like to introduce a gentleman to you that um, started at the thing home at a very, very young age. He uh, is doing great now. He's a teacher at Emerson College, a professor at Emerson College, and he mixes comedy and magic. He's really an interesting guy. Very, very funny. Please welcome Mr. Mike Bent. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Michael, how are you, sir? I'm well. Great, great to see you. Thank you for doing this, Mike. Uh, It's my pleasure, it's an honor. Yeah, now tell me you had a nice relationship with Barry, he actually encouraged you, right? Barry gave me the
8: advice that gave me a career. But uh, what was it? That when I first went there to, to the dingho, I was 16 years old. I was, at that time probably the youngest person that had ever been there. And he, um, I did magic, and he said, took me outside and said, "Magicians should be working at holiday ends. If you want to work here, you have to do it differently." And I listened, and I did it and and i've had a career because of his advice and obviously he meant differently he meant you got to put in jokes
9: yeah you get
8: to work hard, put in jokes and do everything and and i i said yes and i started immediately working on that and here you are uh, several years
0: later how long have you been teaching at emerson uh, this fall will be my 32nd
8: year wow and what are you teaching i teach three different common writing courses emerson now has a comedy major mm. We're the only school in the in the world that has a comedy manager. Right. And Michael, um, I wanted
0: to just lead us into this clip. I think you did this clip of my old, uh, you performed this set
8: at my old theater in Davis Square, Somerville? Yeah, I thought this would be fun to show one from the 25th Ding Ho reunion. Yeah. So I, I dug out a clip from there, and it's self-explanatory. Great. Let's see, from Mike Bent, because we had a diversity of
0: acts at the Ding Ho, ladies and gentlemen.
8: This is cool. I was watching uh, Martha Stewart the other day, and uh, she was doing this show about uh, bringing the outdoors indoors, you know, the country look. And I figured, what better way to spice up a country kitchen than with this? Next time you're serving jello, impress your friends with this guy. It's the rabbit Raccoon whipped cream dispenser.
3: <laughs>
8: Does something make your mouth water? And water? Water? Yeah. yeah, I'm working on getting fudge sauce by this end. <laughs> Nuts, anyone? They come sealed in their own secret flavor pouch to lock in the nutty freshness. How many thought they'd see this tonight, by the way? <laughs> Not that many. Oh, gosh. I I had, uh, this is a uh, new toy I'm working on. This is kind of cool. Um, see. Get her out here. Mm-hmm. See, little girls have always loved dolls that walk and dolls that talk and dolls that, heck, even wet their pants. So what little girl wouldn't love Julie? A doll that has frequent and severe nosebleeds. <laughs> Not a male, group, we're prohibited by law. Sorry, Tennessee.
0: Mike Bent, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent Mike. We had so many interesting people there and so many different types of acts. Uh, When I first started, I played harmonica. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had all these songs. I'm a test tube baby. That's why I got the blues. Was a man-made mutation scientifically abused. I was the miracle of the laboratory. How come I never made 60 minutes or even the news? (laughs) but everybody had their own style. And that was one of the things about Cremins. If you didn't have your own style and you weren't original, you couldn't work there. And that kept uh, a lot of people out, but it really uh, nurtured a lot of people to develop their own style and hence their own careers. This next gentleman, by the way, is also a professor. Please welcome the one and only Mr. Bill
4: Broaddus. Brother Bill. Thank you, Jimmy. Tell me about your first open mic. It had to be at Lenny's show. Oh my God, it was was at Lenny's show. This was my first, so I did, I was probably, on stage two other times. This was my first ding-ho. I'd seen shows at the ding-ho, but hadn't been on. Other comics were saying you got to go on there. I went Wednesday night, signed up, you know, you you had to literally sign up on your, you know, the list. Yeah. And I sat at the bar in the corner and just waited. The show's going on. Uh, Finally, it's late at night. Another comic. Lenny goes on stage. He's like, looks at the list and he goes, Who's this Bill Broadus? What is this? He goes, is he here? And I'm at the bar, I go, yeah, and under the lights, he's looking, he goes, What? You, why did you tell me you were here? I said, I don't know, I just, all right, all right, you're up next. So he brings up the comic, he comes up to me, he goes, have you ever been on before? I said, no. He goes, geez, I wouldn't have waited till the end to put you on if you told me you would first time, I would have put you on, you know, earlier. So I said, okay. So he goes up and he brings me on, and I go up and it's late and People are talking and I'm, you know, my third time on stage. I'm just doing my jokes. People are talking. All of a sudden, I see Lenny from the park. I'm walking around, he comes on stage. He grabs <laughs> the mic and he goes, you people shut the fuck up. This kid's been waiting all night. Give him a break. And he puts the mic back. Okay, Billy, go ahead. And that was my point. And it it went okay, but I could I thought he was gonna pull me off the stage. <laughs> That's great. But then, everybody was always so supportive. Barry was so supportive. Barry said something one time just in passing that I still remember and I pass on to other people. And it wasn't directly at me, but we were in a conversation. And he said in his tender manner, persevere, persevere or life will suck. And I always remember that. It was great advice. It is
0: great advice. That's why we love Crummins. That's why we love Lenny. They were supportive and a very gruff, down to earth, shut yeah. the fuck up
4: and let this guy do his act yeah right? it, it, but barry was so sweet and he cared yeah. so much he made you you wanted to please him you wanted right. to do well it was such an honor to have him like he would you know call up though go, i got your gig come on we're working together you know right. i mean oh it was the it's best
0: because, it is because he was a comic yeah they knew it.
4: yeah bill uh the clip
0: we're going to see right now is from conan o'brien yeah if anybody wants to go back to school bill is a professor at bu right now So Bill might be able to get you in. By the way, I went back to school in my 50s, and the great thing about going back to school in your 50s, you get the student ID and the senior discount. So it's a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful thing. I highly recommend it. But I want you to watch Bill brought us live on Conan O'Brien.
4: Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I'd like to start off by just telling you a little bit about myself, um, but I can't because of the trial. So uh, I'm just going to raise. I didn't shave today. Actually, I'm supposed to be growing a beard uh, for a movie that I'm going to go see. And uh, I'm married, Uh, I love – oh, thank you, sorry. I love my wife. She's a nurse, Uh, she's from Canada, and and that's about all I know about her. Uh, I should have asked, that's my fault. she speaks French, you know. She's not uh, French Canadian, but she can speak French, which is nice. You know, unfortunately, I don't speak French at all. You know, I can hear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know when it's being spoken to me. It's just that when they finish, I don't do anything. I stand there. You know, I took a foreign language when I was in college uh, calculus. You know? college was exciting you know I have a Bachelor of Arts degree in history that I'm selling if anybody's interested (laughs) good condition never been used (laughs) not all my relationships were successful you know I lived with a woman one time for two years we had a very bitter breakup you know she moved out I went through that period of of regrouping my life you know which is also known as alcoholism You know, it's just a phase you go through, you know. My friends at the time were really concerned about me, and they suggested that I see a good counselor, you know, and I could not afford a good counselor. So I went to a camp counselor. And, you know, he told me a lot of ghost stories that really shook me up. You know, really brought me back to reality, I think. And I and now consider myself very lucky that I'm not running headless through the woods. I think that, first time I met my wife, uh, she could not believe that I was a stand-up comic. This was after the show. <laughs> I have to tell you this story. Uh, this is true. I actually saw my own car get stolen one time. Absolutely. I- I've always been fascinated with criminals. When I was a kid, I, I wanted to be a criminal. When I was a kid, because I grew up in a really bad, really rundown section of my house. And. Uh, <laughs> This is true. I actually saw this happen. I happened to be looking out the window, and I saw these two kids. One of them was like the lookout. The other kid comes running around to the driver's side door. He has one of those things they use to pick the lock. You know, They're Slim Jims. He's got it down between the window and the door, and he's trying to get the lock. I couldn't believe I was actually watching this. All of a sudden, he pops the lock up, opens the door, pulls me out. You know? <laughs> Thank you very much, folks. Thanks a lot. Hello. Hey, really funny, I, 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 Bill brought us everybody. Bill
0: brought us everybody. That's the type of talent started right in the Ding Ho and Open Mic Night. Fabulous. Thank you, Bill. Uh, this next gentleman, he uh, was one of the early, early guys there at the Ding Ho. He was. Uh, became fast friends with Barry. He also had been doing comedy. He started in Chicago, moved to Boston, and right away he hit the ground running because he had some experience working in in, uh, in Chicago. And he's just got some heartwarming stories about Barry and some very funny material on stage. Uh, please welcome to the show the one and only Mr. Bill Campbell. Brother Bill. Hi, Jim. Brother Bill, how are you? Good.
9: I, I got two back in the day stories. Okay. So, okay. One is about Barry. One is about special night for me at the Ding House. Okay. First about Barry. Barry was a very funny man on stage and off. And everybody knows that. And Probably everybody's going to talk about that. But Barry also was a great guy to those of us who worked for him. And uh, I have an example of that that I always tell. I've told the story before. But in 1982, I was booked to work the ding-ho, Friday and Saturday night, four shows. And the Thursday before, I got a call that my mother passed away. So I had to cancel shows and go to California. And Barry was so gracious. He not only was sweet about it, paid me for all the shows even though i wasn't there and wow. i've done this for 40 years now no one has ever paid me for shows i didn't do and it meant a lot to me then i had two little kids it means a lot to me now and i love barry for it second sh- story is about night the dane hope very nice story i uh i had two little girls back in those days and they kept bugging me to come to a show come on dad why can't we come to a show so i, I say no a thousand times i finally go okay i'll take you to a show so i take them to the Ho, we're on their way to the show and they say to me they're all dressed up you know big night what and they say you know dad we have some good jokes you see, this is some of our jokes. <laughs> I says, okay i'll see what i can do you know we get to the dingo and i put them on stage left you know near martin in a nice safe place they're, I mean, there's no kids at these shows. You know, I was looking at them. They're all dressed up but they're Shirley Temple, you know. And I'm going into my act, and it's a typical ding-ho crowd. They were a great crowd. And halfway through the show, I go, you know, these are my daughters, you know, and everybody's involved. I go, you know, they asked me to do a few of their jokes for me. Here's one. What did one hot dog say to the other hot dog? Hi, Frank. The crowd went crazy. Here's another joke. I brushed my teeth. I brushed my hair. Louder <laughs> than the first time. The crowd was fantastic. I looked over, and they were just beaming. So adorable. So we leave the show. We're on our way home. The whole way home, all they talked to was, you know, Dad, I think they liked our jokes a lot better than your jokes. We'll have to give you some more jokes in the future. It's a remembrance of a great night for me and my daughters, and a special night at a wonderful club.
0: Happy 40th thing Hope. Cool, Bill. That's a nice story, man. And, and what the clip we're going to see right now is live from the Somerville Theater at the 20th reunion in Somerville, 1999.
9: Thank you, Bill. Uh, that like point of the parents' parents are always the, the parents' parents just happy to be out. <laughs> The way Bill grew up. <laughs> He's so good. I've been married for a long time. I love my wife dearly. So we've been married longer than they know. But we have certain differences that I can harm. My wife hates to throw everything out. So every summer we have the same thing. She says, Bill, i got to go idea. Let's have a yarn.
0: Bill Campbell, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Campbell yard sales and touching stories about the ding and about Barry's generosity. Imagine having a weekend worth of work, not getting, not showing up and then getting paid. That was a beautiful story. I was the bartender at the ding What Bill failed to tell you is that Barry took the money I was supposed to get and gave it to Bill. I don't hold that against Bill. I'm glad he got the money. But that should have been young Jim Tingle's money. Kidding. I was the bartender though ladies and gentlemen and uh in the spirit of my bartending expertise at the ding-ho because this is over zoom this is open bar tonight so you go to your refrigerator you go to your freezer you eat or drink whatever you want this is open bar in the spirit of the generosity of barry Cremens and the ding-ho this next gentleman helped put this club on the map he had an open mic on wednesday nights that was phenomenal it was a really incredible show people this is the great thing about stand-up comedy and open mic nights in general, and not only Boston, but all all cities have this now. If you want to perform, the barrier to entry really doesn't exist. All you got to do is get onto the club before the show, usually at seven o'clock or something for an eight o'clock show. You sign a piece of paper and the host will give you five minutes. It's pretty incredible. You don't need a degree. You don't need a, any credits. You don't need anything. All you need to do is the desire and the willingness. And if you have the desire and the willingness and the creativity, you can can get on open mic night. And from there, it's up to you. But at least there's no barrier to entry for anybody. And that was a beautiful thing. And this man was the most generous person ever because his open mic nights would start at seven and end at seven the next day. They were incredible. They went, Lenny Clark would just keep going and going and going. He would put everybody on. Many times I would end up closing the show. Uh, it, it, actually, it was around one or two, probably two o'clock in the morning. End up going last because I had a lot of energy and I was the bartender. So he put me up there. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Mr. Lenny Clark. Jimmy,
10: how are you, pal? What's up, brother? Uh, I thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for all your tech people. And yeah. boy, if I rehearsed as much as I did for my TV show, as you have for this. Yeah, I, I'd still be on the air. <laughs> uh, but I, I gotta tell you, what a what a wonderful thing to do for Helen. What a beautiful lady. And you know, we all know the happiest years of Barry's life were, were with Helen because yeah. shit, he was miserable when he was with us. I remember, <laughs> I remember he uh he was at the ding and Barkley was leaving the ding to go to a fern bar the Austin Wells Cinema. And he said, Hey man, will you st- will you stay with me? And I go, Yeah. So <laughs> I stayed with him and he he really helped. Propel me farther than I ever dreamed. You know, we were the most opposite people you could yep. ever imagine. But I love that guy. And uh he, he he was just so fantastic. I remember one night. And Lenny, he loved you, man. He uh, did. He yeah. he he watched
0: your show and he saw those people come in and he was so behind you, man. He really, really supported
10: you and vice versa. Yeah, what, what one night, well, like you said, we would put on we'd put on 35, 40 people a night. Yeah. Everyone got on, and that's yeah. why Bill Broughters said. You know, I, I I would have put him on early because I tried to give everyone a shot. Because when I was doing it, going in the no one was really helping me. And yeah. then Barry, Barry helped me out. I said, "This is it. We 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 got a good thing here." I remember one night, late, like three, four in the morning, we're we drinking, and Barry got up on the tables of the ding ho. <laughs> he, he started running on. You know how a wobbly those I remember. I was there. all the way around and he came back he was coming back and he he hit the lip flipped up in the air landed on his back i thought he was dead i went over and i said barry barry are you all right and i leaned in closer i leaned in he goes i had a cigarette (laughs) he was worried about the place burning down but my god almighty you know i mean I, i i think of i think of what happened and i think of how hard this was for you to put this all together i mean a computer alone if it wasn't for free porn, I would have never learned how to use it. But then the Zoom, I got the AA helped me learn the Zoom thing. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, it's it's so crazy, you know. And I think of all the guys, you know, all the guys and girls on this show that have had their own shows and been so successful in the network television. I mean, I've had more failed pilots in the Iraqi Air Force, but I mean, I don't care because it's, it's it's I'm near the end now I'm the twilight and I really get a kick out of seeing all the young ones coming up and it's really something but we don't have places like the dingo the dingo was the greatest time of my life if I could go back in a time machine I would go there which just was the greatest years of my life well, Lenny, you, you helped a lot
0: of people. You got a lot of people started. I'm one of them.
10: Lenny and I went to high school
0: together. He was actually our class president, ladies and gentlemen. That's where we got to start in comedy. Mm-hmm. He was a class president. I remember I ran into him on in the street. It was like 79. I saw him one day. I go, Lenny, I heard you're doing open mic nights. Can anybody go? He goes, yeah, anybody can do it. Come on down, sign up, I'll put you on. He put me on, and I just never looked back. And if, you weren't doing that i might never get into stand-up comedy so i personally want to thank you and everybody who did comedy and those air
10: and those years in town owes a debt of gratitude to you lenny so thank you oh, thank you man and i'm so glad you do, i'm so glad you put this together with all these all these great comedians that they're awesome yeah so this this clip i gotta tell you
0: knowing where we started and seeing you on on late night television sitting there in the panel is really a thrill ladies and gentlemen Enjoy Lenny Clark on the Jimmy Kimmel Show uh, 2019, Lenny? Yes, yes. 2019. Thanks,
10: Lenny. Love you, brother. Love you, Jimmy. Thanks, man. You look fantastic. Oh, How much weight did you lose, Lenny? 200 pounds. Two, for real, 200 pounds. 200 uh, Jimmy? For real. So much. Look at that. Jimmy, I was so fat, my wife said, you can start having sex with other people. Uh, <laughs> it freed up your marriage. It did. And, and I could see my junk again. I'm very happy. <laughs> is, is she still okay with that, or now that you've lost the oh, weight? Oh, no, 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 no. Now she put the brakes on.
5: I have a yep. photograph. This is a before and after. So
10: I'm guessing this one's before. Yep. And what are you doing in there? Are you in a baby stroller? What's happening there? It it took them a week to get that lawn chair out of my ass. (laughs) It's a lawn chair. And here you are, what are you, walking around the neighborhood scaring the kids? What's going on? I got a deal on a Borat suit. uh, Well, I I rode 150 miles in two days for MS, because I have two sisters with MS. You did? So my brother and me, yeah, we did, yeah. Got a motorcycle? or Pedal? <laughs> <laughs> motorcycle. I wish so. <laughs> wow, look yeah. at you. Oh, God, I love looking at your body. Uh, thanks, yeah. Jim. And mind yours. Look how skinny
5: you are. Uh, have you what are you gonna do about prescription drug prices? Do you have a plan or anything like that? I got a guy. <laughs> you do? <laughs> have you ever thought about running for office? It seems like in well,
10: Boston you could win just about anything you wanted to. Yeah, I probably could. You yeah. know, now, yeah. you know, I, I tried before, you know. I was in City Hall, and I was, you know, running, uh, you know, and people say, oh, yeah, so you should run for mayor, you should run for mayor. I didn't know they were kidding, so I did. And I would have won if I was drinking just a bit more. How old were you when you did this? Uh, 26, maybe. 26 years yeah, old, yeah. and you decided to run for mayor, and was yeah. there, did you take it seriously at all? Well, well. Well, my my campaign office was in a poodle salon, you know, and they would be cutting poodles, and I'd be on the phone. You got to vote for me,
3: ow, 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 you know. And it was, so,
10: but I, I did the best I could. And then one night we were drinking at a bar in Harvard Square, and we came out, and Dennis Levy said to me, "I bet you can't steal that bus." And I'm saying, it's, I can drive anything. So there were three buses lined up. I get in the middle one. That's a stupid this answer. This is a city bus? Oh, yeah. City okay. bus, MBTA, yeah. And I smashed into the front, smashed into the back, and got out. He goes, another 50 bucks says you can't get it out of the yard. I said, They're wrong. they were are on. Then he said, $200 says you can't drive it through the tunnel. Now, the tunnel goes under Harvard Square, and there's about this much room on both sides. So, needless to say, it was scratched up. But I, <laughs> I picked up some elderly people and told them I was running for mayor before... A police chasing suit. So now, oh, yeah, yeah. So then I pulled the, the, the bus over where blocked on a, a, a something like this. The cops couldn't get around, and I went to this football party with 150 witnesses. They knew I did it, but they couldn't prove <laughs> Lenny Clark, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Lenny Clark. And I'm in that when when I say that uh, Barry and Lenny, you know, they were the mutton Jeff of uh, comedy back in the day. And they were complete opposites, politically and everything, Uh, but they loved each other and they came together to make something happen out of nothing. And it was pretty impressive. So thank you Lenny, thank you Barry. And this next gentleman, we're going to see, let's see, who do we have here? Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, the one and only Mr. Melvin
6: George. Hello Jimmy, how are you? Hey Melvin, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. First of all, thank you so much for doing this. You're wonderful. You, you, the, the cause is great. I got to see so many dear friends that I, who I haven't seen in, in ages. It's and great. it's all because of you, Barry Crimmins, and Helen. Thank you for doing this.
0: Well, Mel, Melvin, thank you for joining us, I gotta tell you. And uh, we really appreciate it. You know, it's funny, I was telling people earlier, you see people like, I see you maybe in 85, then I see somebody else in 91. And they, but this is the first time because of Zoom, because of the pandemic, we can actually be together. So there is an upside to the whole thing, even though Most it's definitely. Thing. Well, listen, yeah. it's great to see you. And tell me about your experience at the Ding Ho. I think you said it was one of the first places. Didn't you audition for Carlson there?
6: The audition for Carson? I had been going back and forth to, uh, to from, from New York to Boston. I'm from Boston. I moved to New York to, to, to get, I was on my way to California and I figured I'd stop in New York and get famous. I got yeah. stuck there. Right. So <laughs> I'm back, going back and forth, doing shows in Boston and New York. I, I met Lenny, I met Barry, I met Dennis. Yep. Uh, 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 Barry called me and said, Melvin, Jim McCauley's coming to the audition at Ding Ho for The Tonight Show, get up here. So I got in my car, I drove up there. Yeah, I remember that night. I get on stage, I have an absolutely wonderful show. Afterwards, Stephen Wright goes on right after me. I met Stephen Wright on the way, as I'm leaving the stage, he's coming to the stage, and I said, hey, uh, you must be Stephen Wright. He goes, you must be Melvin George. (laughs) Nice to meet you, nice to meet you. (laughs) So after the show, uh, Jim McCauley actually came up to me and said, hey, listen, I love your show. You're a wonderful entertainer, but what you do is not good for television, it's good for live audiences. And I took that advice and I went to open for Patti LaBelle, Smokey Robinson, Aretha Franklin, uh, uh, any three syllable R&B group you can think of. The Temptations, The Four Tops. I worked with them all uh, because of the the stock that I had. Right, right, right. Well, I got to tell you something
0: in terms of Working for television, you're not ready for television. I disagree. Let's prove Jim McCauley wrong by watching this clip live from Gotham Comedy Club in New York City. Melvin, great to see you again, brother. Let's see this clip live from Gotham Comedy Club. Melvin George. Good
6: How are you? Hey.
0: I'll
6: take it. Melvin George II. The way it goes is my father's Melvin George. I'm Melvin George, the sequel. My son is Melvin George, the final conflict. (laughs) I'm kind of bummed out right now because after 44 years of marriage, my mother and my father are getting a divorce. The problem I'm having is I don't know who I'm going to live with. (laughs) You're looking at me saying, you're too old to live with your parents. I know, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. I know I'm getting old because my teeth and I don't sleep together.
3: <laughs>
6: I know I'm getting old because the last time I went to jump over the coffee table, I didn't make it.
3: <laughs> I
6: went up and the air like Michael Jordan, came down like Betty White. <laughs> I know I'm getting old because the last time I made love, the only sound I could hear was my joints. <laughs> It wasn't that fast. donated one of my kidneys to my dad. Both of his uh, kidneys were shot. He was on dialysis. He had like Heinekenitis. <laughs> and my brothers and sisters, we said let's go get tested because he was a perfect match for dad. And because of my comedy schedule, I had the time. I went first. And <laughs> everybody found out I was a perfect match, nobody else went. <laughs> so being cool is based on where you are at that time in your life. I mean, At four years old, being cool is not peeing in your
3: pants. (laughs) At 12 years
6: old, being cool is having friends. 16 years old, being cool is having a driver's license. 20 years old being cool is having sex.
3: 35
6: years old being cool is having money. 55 years old being cool is having sex.
3: 65
6: years old being cool is having a driver's license. 75 years old, being cool, is having friends. And 85 years old, being cool, is not peeing in your
0: pants.
6: You've been wonderful. Enjoy the rest of the show. I'm Melvin George II. God bless you. Good night.
0: Melvin George Second, ladies and gentlemen. Round of applause. Thank you, Melvin. We proved Macaulay wrong about TV. Great set. By the way, I just want to shout out to the tech people who are working on this show. We have three people tonight working we have brandon o'sullivan we have matt mclaughlin and we have john lawson out in los angeles all three of them have been doing a fantastic job all night and this whole production is the result of their work and also our team our publicist will briley i don't know how many people read the articles we had in the globe and and in the artery on wbr that is will briley and Land and we've been all sorts of different TV shows and, and radio shows and, and blogs. That's Will Briley. And Emily Singer has been helping out enormously. Uh, thank you, Emily, and thank you, all you guys. So a virtual clap, ladies and gentlemen. If you have the reaction button, please go there and let them know and show some gratitude. There you go. Right now, I wanna bring up somebody who, uh, again, an old friend of Barry, and just a real role, role model for the comics in, in Boston. He. Uh, just helped a lot of people. He does a lot of one-man shows now. His show's are dynamite. Please welcome to the show, the one and only Mr. Jack Gallagher. Hi, Jim. Hey, hey, Jack, how are you?
9: I'm doing well.
11: Thank you so much, like everybody else, Jimmy. Thank you so much for putting this together. I know it's a ton of work and you've done a great job and we all appreciate it. It's just so great uh, to see everybody after all this time
0: really is, man. Thank yeah. you, Jack. And thank yeah. you for doing it. I know you, it's in everybody's effort, but you know what? We love Barry, we love Helen and we love each other and we want to help. Yeah. And it's great to be reconnected. So thank you. You know, it was such a, uh, it was such a special time.
11: Uh, at that point there were two games in town. There was the comedy connection downtown and there was the ding and the comedy connection ran a great show. Um, I hate to use the word profe- more professional because it wasn't, but they just wanted a tighter show. The ding was loose. Yeah. The ding was like Lenny said, you could go up and Barry would run around on the tabletops, And as long as you were funny, you could work there. Yeah. As long as you were funny. If you weren't funny, you didn't work. And somebody once said, if Crimmins liked you, you had it made. If you didn't like you, you may as well leave town. Yeah. Um, but it was like a clubhouse you know uh, guys would show up there after you'd work somewhere else a road gig or something you'd go to the ding afterwards and just hang out and it's like we were this group who everybody had friends i'm sure in college and high school but we were like these misfits that just all wound up in this place together and all of a sudden we found this group of people that wanted to do the same thing that i wanted to do and and, and they all had this sensibility and like somebody said before it was so incredibly supportive I remember you'd come off stage and somebody'd hand you a slip of paper and say hey that bit you did about coming home drunk at your parents house this line would work with it and I remember comics would come from New York and I think it was Joe Bolster Um, Joe Bolster one time somebody came I think it was Joe somebody came off stage and somebody else handed him a note and said hey I think this will work and Joe said what's that and somebody said well I gave him a line and Joe said, in New York, they would just take the bit. <laughs> so, but, you know, when, when I started thinking about this, it became such a legendary room that everybody, if everybody who says they were at the ding actually were there, the room would have to hold about 5,000 people. Yeah. But it was it was a great time. It was so much fun. It was so supportive. I look back on it now, like Lenny said, I wish I had realized at that point that it was one of the most exciting times of my life. i met so many great people who are still my friends today. And thinking about this, I I remember sitting, you remember a a stage left where Martin used to play the piano? Yeah. And there was a little area there that you could kind of hang out in before you went on, or or you could, it was very tight, but you could sit there. And when I first started, I remember sitting there, and, and watching, it might have been Bill Campbell or it might have been Mike Donovan, somebody that had been doing it for a while, and I remember sitting there and thinking, I wanted to do this my entire life. I can't believe I get to do this in this place with such support from everyone. And then I remember thinking almost immediately, there's no fucking way I can follow this guy. Yeah. I'm not as funny yeah. as this person.
3: Yeah.
11: You know, but that was the other thing too. You had to be funny. There was no open or middle headliner. You know, Lenny might be doing another job across town, so you got to follow Lenny. Lenny's been doing this for a year. I've been doing it for two months. And if you weren't funny, it didn't work. But it was a special time. Barry was such a good man and such a good friend of mine. I, I miss him all the time. I still have a, a voicemail on my phone from him that I'll listen to occasionally. i miss just the guy. He was, he was a sweetheart. He was a big, gruff
0: marshmallow. You know? <laughs> Hey, he, he showed up at Helen's house with flowers and candy and all that sort of stuff. He's a so good man. A he was lot a of good gold. man. And when you watch his bits, it brings it back, too. Yeah, Jack, yeah. Let's go to this clip right now from the Somerville Theater from the 20th reunion that we put together for, for Barry back then. Jack, thanks a million for all your help and all your Thank support. You, By the way, Jack's gone. You know, a lot of comics stay in stand-up comedy. Everybody branches out. They find their strengths. Some are writers, some are professors. Jack's done about eight one-man shows. Uh, the, can, are they on your website, Jack? Uh, there's the, the one that I did, I uh, had a really bad bicycle accident a few years
11: ago. That one's on my website, jackgallagher.info. Folks can go. It's called Concussed. They can go and watch that,
0: yeah. jackgallagher.info. Jack Sorry. Right. Two 60-year-olds giving websites over Zone. What? <laughs> what? Who's that? Is that Jimmy? <laughs> All righty. Thanks, Jack. Go check out his shows, folks. They're great. They're really, really super. Thank Jack you. Gallagher, live from the Somerville Theater.
11: There was a comedy scene in Boston, and when I got there, it was it was a little burgeoning thing, you know? And uh, now, when you tell people you're from Boston, uh, other comics, they go, oh. Because everybody knew about it. Everybody knew how good the comics from Boston were. And the person who, yeah. The person that that made the scene work was Barry Crimmins, and you're going to hear this all night. Barry was responsible for this because there was another club in town and they were very nice people. (laughs) (laughs) But Barry understood what it was like to be a comic, and when they paid us this, I swear to Christ, this is true. they, They used to pay us like 10 bucks a set. When they paid us 10 bucks a set, Barry paid us 15. When they went up to 15, Barry went to 20. When they went to 20, Barry went to 30. When they went to 30, Barry went to 40. And finally, we were making 300 bucks a night because of criminals, because criminals. Ah, give them more money. (laughs) So I'm I'm I'm, 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 happy when I fly now, because they've actually increased the security in the airlines, have you seen that? A couple of years ago, there was a big rash of terrorism, so they, they, they increased the security. You feel a lot better now, yeah. You know what the increased security is? The guy who takes your ticket says, So did anybody ask you to carry anything? <laughs> That's what was missing?
0: Gallagher, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. Special treat. We got two guys coming up right now. They are the comedy team of Bob and Ron. They were the first comedy team around town. Please welcome to the stage. Drum roll, please. One and only, Bob and Ron. Hey, Bob. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. How
5: are Ron, how are you doing? Where Hi, is Bob. Bob? I, I up there, yeah. yeah.
0: I don't see Ron. Oh, there he is. Yes. Hey, Ron. He's here. He's here. Good to see you guys. Now listen, you were a comedy team. I could tell when you were first on stage, you were inventive, you were creative, you were unorthodox, and there was something about the way you were working. I said, these people are going someplace. They have big plans. I understand you have something in the works right now that you'd like to share with us.
5: Yes, I'm glad you you brought that up, Jimmy. It's it's the best way that we can beat this coronavirus thing. Okay. It's through, just like you were talking about, technology. Technology. We have invented a machine. Right. That's right. It doesn't cure you. It doesn't protect you. And it doesn't use Clorox. <laughs> All it does is freeze you solid. It's going <laughs> to turn you into a giant Jimmy Tingle ice cube. I love that. <laughs> a ting-sickle. A tingsicle if you sickle If we put you on a stick, you know, that's extra, of course. And uh, the machine is called the Freez-O-Matic.
3: Freez-O-Matic? How it works,
5: we press one button, and bingo in seconds, you're as frozen as Walt Disney. I love this. <laughs> right. And we keep you frozen until there is a vaccine and then we thaw you out. Thank yeah. you. After we freeze you, Jimmy, though, we're gonna have to find a nice place for you. It's gotta be pretty cold. Right. That's right. And well, Jimmy, I'm... we got a we got a perfect spot for you in the freezer display case at the Whole Foods near MIT. Perfect. It's pretty close to where you live. Perfect. That's, Those are my people. That's gonna be that's gonna be ideal your family can come in and visit you while you're shopping <laughs> they can look at me point get cool off near me how much for a pound of tingle <laughs> anyway bimmy that's the freezo
0: matic when i first now you how what happens after like you know they find a vaccine and they want to thaw me out what do we do then
5: well we haven't got that invention yet, have we, Ron? <laughs> yeah, no, it's called the Thaw and that's all we have so far. um I don't, we haven't figured it out, but we got plenty of time. We got yeah, plenty, plenty of time.
0: time but plenty you know, if it's in the spring or the summer, maybe just bring me outside. Ooh. You know, bring people outside, let them thaw naturally by the Charles River. Sure. Of course, uh, of course we warming
5: can, should do six it.
0: Feet, six feet apart, right?
5: <laughs> yeah, social distancing, yeah.
0: yeah. Right? Freeze me with the mask on. Please, I want to tell you how
5: we uh, first met Barry. Okay. Bob, we're going back. We're going way back. Yeah, Barry Barry Is When it was the the Springfield Street Saloon.
0: Right, that was before the ding-ho, right?
5: Yeah, it was a Western-style saloon. We kept all the furniture when it became the ding-ho. They had Sunday nights, comedy there. Ron and I were working the show. And a guy from upstate New York asked if he could do a few minutes, and he came on the show. I didn't remember the guy's name, and Ron started talking to him after the, the, uh, the show, the bar. Yeah, we were at the bar, I'm talking to uh, Barry. Did I give it away? Yeah, I, didn't. No, I didn't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: at the bar, you're talking you, to Barry, and then we're talking what?
5: to Barry. And, um, talking to Barry. And we he found said, that. We I think he to got tired. In college there, Binghamton. So he got very excited that we were from Binghamton. Two guys from upstate New York, besides the guy from Skinny Atlas, was there. He got all excited. Ron, I think, was trying to get rid of talking to him. So he flags me over and he says, "Hey, Bob, this guy's from near Syracuse." So we start talking, and he says, "Look, I just came up and did a set here tonight, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know why I like why, why I want to talk to you guys so much, but I'm thinking of moving out of upstate New York." My options are going down to New York City or coming here to Boston. What should I do? Right. Right. So I thought for a minute, and I'm saying, do I want to encourage some guy to come in and take over some of the stage time that's here? And before I answer, I hear Ron saying, yeah, you should definitely come here. Yeah, definitely come to Boston. That's going to be the best. Very generous, Ron. Yes. I think Ron's name goes up on that plaque. Outside there, the guy who sent Barry and told them, head southeast, young man. What do you think? Can Tony V get that happening? Uh, Different plaque, different plaque, tiny, very tiny plaque.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to get one for Bob and Ron, because you guys were ahead of your time with your inventions. And we're going to show you right now this clip from Somerville Theater. This is the Bob and Ron, ladies and gentlemen, the dynamic duo of Uh, art and theater and comedy. Please enjoy this clip. From the thank bottom. you, Jimmy. Oh, and, oh Ron, Love you, Jimmy. What, is what is the show you're going to be on? You, you tell me oh, about I'm
5: going to be on uh, Corporate on July 22nd, the new season of Corporate on Comedy Central.
0: Excellent. The new season of Corporate on Comedy Central. Excellent. And that starts July 22nd?
5: That is correct.
0: Very cool, man. Well, thank you, Ron. Thank for you. Coming. And I know he, Ron's out in L.A. right now. Bob is, Bob has retired. He, Ron, <laughs> he retired
5: No, he I'm retired. still doing comedy on my back porch. <laughs> Drive-by comedy, Bob, swing by, Ashland, Massachusetts, Jimmy.
0: You don't work Ashland, Massachusetts unless you go through Bob Lamont. All right, <laughs> check out this clip, everybody.
5: All right, Jimmy. Thank you. You remember the place that was right next door, next door to the ding? Right, 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 Maddie Shamrock's? It had all the latest in Irish reggae music. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm gonna
5: Like this. Yes, it's time to try the new automatic craftmatic adjustable pants.
0: gentlemen was i absolutely correct when i said that these people were going place when i saw bumper comedians i said these people are geniuses they're comedic geniuses they're engineering geniuses and they someday are going to find a cure for the coronavirus virus simply by freezing people by the way were you paranoid when this whole thing started three four months ago i was paranoid i heard tom hanks get it i go oh my god i watched forrest gump am i at risk i mean i was paranoid wash your hands don't touch your face I knew. Hands. Okay, cool. Anyway, please welcome to the stage one and only Mr. Don Gavin, ladies and gentlemen. Brother Don, how are you? All right, James, how you doing? Good to see you, man. You're down in Florida.
12: I am. I am. Uh, I turned seventy, and you have to move. Uh, <laughs> and it's a rule, and that's the deal. And uh, I love the heat, and I plan on uh, not even getting buried. I plan on just baking myself out of the pool. That's it. That's hey, Jimmy, I want to tell you,
0: uh, labor of love, what you've done. It's fantastic. It's my pleasure, Don. You helped so many people there, so did Barry, and we're all brothers. We're all sisters, you know? And you know what we share is we have a camaraderie uh,
12: and, uh, that didn't exist in, say, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York. We had a community that didn't exist anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, it wasn't, You know what part of it was, Gav? Nobody was really professional. <laughs> we, didn't we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we had no idea. We had no
12: idea. I mean, I, I remember when I first started, uh, Lenny accused me of doing it down in New York for three years ago. So I've never been on stage before in my life, right? It was the whole the whole thing. Uh, there were so many diverse talents. People always say, why was such a richness of talent? Because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. That, that was the deal. Yeah. And we had the opportunity through the ding-ho more so than other places of putting that up there you know we've said it a few times today but
0: sometimes 25 30 people would go up <laughs> say some would never come back <laughs> <laughs> that's right and i think i think because we didn't know what we were doing there was there really wasn't built in that fear of failure like it's not like we you made a big investment to move to new york or los angeles to, and you got all this you know you have to make it it wasn't it wasn't really about show <laughs> people don't know your your history he was a, this guy Ting was my buddy. He was the
12: bartender, he, and when he went on stage, he wore a he wore a, a rain jacket and sunglasses and a rain hat. And uh, gay liberation got your blues. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, this thing there, but, but again, I pulled him aside as others
0: did and said, yeah. let's move on this, let's do this. And uh, wow, there you go. Yeah, that's that's so true, Gav. I used to do. I used to get out in the I used to wear the trench coat. Oh, it's horrible. And, the, it and the, horrible. the sunglasses and the hat. I go up Harvard Square and I would do my songs, the test two baby blues. Thank God I'm a city boy. Thank God I'm a burbite. You know, and all this. And and right. I, I I did street performing and I admit, Don, there is a fine line between street performing and simply being drunk in public. I admit that.
12: <laughs> <laughs> well you crossed
0: the line a few times. I know, I know. Well, I'm thrilled that you're on the show. Tell us about the new C D you got coming out. Oh yeah, no big deal. Just a CD. It's
12: called Don Gavin Live with the Man with the Manhattan. Not drinking, but with the Manhattan. And uh, yeah, hopefully that will uh, sell at least six copies. <laughs> and uh, however that works, uh, yeah, I don't know. The whole deal. Uh, I'm kind of excited about this. I think all of us uh, are going. This is going very smoothly, right? Oh,
0: good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We. I mean, the rehearsals were a nightmare, but this oh, is i oh, rehearsed four or five times. and I'm Yeah, yeah. Us- let me get this straight. Let me put in the soup. 38 comedians talking at the same time. How could that be a problem? Yeah. By the way, folks, we're having an after party. If anybody wants to donate uh, $100 to Helen's Cause, uh, you can go to the jimmytingle.com. You can donate $100. You'll get a link that'll invite you to the after party, and all the comments are gonna be there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And there are also links in the chat room at the intermission, which is coming up in about five, 10 minutes. And you can li- uh, donate to Helen right there uh, at her PayPal account, right to her cam- uh, right to her uh, website or her Venmo. So thank you for that. Dawn, we're going to catch a clip of you right now. And the introduction uh, that Gary Goldman is going to give you is heartfelt. And you could, it could be anybody in Boston saying this introduction. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being a great role model, brother. And thank you for being on this show. And thank you for learning Zoom for this. I haven't learned it yet, but thank you for the rest. Love you, pal. Bye-bye.
4: All right. Please welcome Don Gavin, everybody. Don
12: Gavin. <laughs> I watch a lot of sports on TV. I, lo- I love the Olympics. Although I will tell you, this past year they had the downhill skiing was was actually postponed. You know why? Because it was it was snowing. <laughs> I mean, that's like the diving. Well, no diving this year. Some buffoon filled the pool with water. All right, all right. All right. All right. But I was thinking about different sports. I'm not a hunter, but uh, uh, I was reading a thing recently that 22% of people, hunting accents are caused that they actually shoot themselves. Now, I can understand, like, Vice President Cheney years ago when he shot his, his hunting partner. You know, he thought he was a bird. And. Uh, <laughs> No, I think we can all understand that, you know, but… <laughs> but to shoot yourself, that I'm not sure about, you know, like, how do you… What part of your anatomy do you think is a bird? I don't know what it is, but I'm not sure, but. And now on TV, I swear, every station now has poker. I didn't know that poker was a sport. Apparently, it is. I mean, it's on the History Channel, they have Jesse James playing, and the Animal Planet, they have the, you know, the dogs, you know… Just and the gambler, I'm a gambler. I go down to Foxwoods quite a bit. I have my own teepee. We go down and... <laughs> it's a two and a half hour ride. If you win coming back, it's a fun ride. Otherwise, you kill the other people you're with. That's what it is. And I love the signs in any casino. I don't care where you live in the world. They put up these facetious signs like they're worried about your well-being. Have you seen these signs? Bed with your head, not over it. So I'm pushing my chips in like this, you know? <laughs> Have you seen any times, if you have a gambling problem, who else would be in the room? (laughs) If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So I called them up. (laughs) I said, look, I got an ace and a six and the dealer has a seven. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are kind. funny, I was uh, hiking. I hike. Actually, I have a great body inside of the thing I'm wearing tonight, and uh, (laughs) I was up in Alaska, and I went hiking, and they talk about the dangers now of hiking in Alaska, because there's been a lot of uh, encounters with the bears up there, encounters, which we would call maulings, but... uh, (laughs) There's been these encounters, and it, they gave out these brochures when I was up there about, you know, being aware of your surroundings, your, if you're hunting up there. <laughs> now, it so said, the brown bears have huge appetites and are quite dangerous. If you are confronted by a brown bear, don't run. <laughs> and it actually says, it says, don't run. It doesn't say, don't sew your pants. It doesn't say anything like that. It just, <laughs> just says, don't run, play dead. <laughs> now, I wonder who's putting these signs up, and I finally figured out, the bears.
13: <laughs> All right, yeah, fuck.
12: <laughs> and for years, we were not having that many problems, up, up in, uh, in Alaska and also in Yellowstone, because they would issue these bear bells, VAR, these bells you would wear when you went hiking. <laughs> I looked like one of the village people, but you had, you wore the bells is what I'm saying. And it would scare away most of the grizzlies. And the key word there is most. So <laughs> now it's not working because we're you know, encroaching on their territory. So now they say, wear the bells still, but be aware of your surroundings and look for broken twigs, broken branches, and be able to identify grizzly bear droppings. And the way you can tell grizzly bear droppings, they have tiny little bells in them. That's the way you can tell
0: that. So. Don Gavin, hiker, sportsman. Hunter. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can see him out there hunting. I can see him on the trails. I can see him on the Appalachian Trail. Anyway, great. Thank you, Don, for being here. And thank you, everybody. Uh, we're going to have a couple more uh, comics, then we're going to take a little little five minute intermission. And during the intermission, you'll be able to donate to uh, Helen Cremens directly in the chat. The chat has been closed to the people watching, the 500 people watching. But at the intermission, the chat's gonna be open and there's gonna be some links there. We've raised $30,000 tonight for Helen. Our goal is $40,000. We're trying to get $40,000 for 40 years of comedy, of Boston comedy. I think we can do it. I think if people are generous, just go there and, and, and do what you can if you have it. If you don't have it, no worries. That's why you're here. We made it $40 in uh, admission or pay what you can. We don't want to turn people away. That was the spirit of our, our club. It was three bucks to get in. And if you didn't have the money, Cremens would say, Come on in. Or if my friends came, they never had to pay, or Lenny's friends. So generosity is a big part of, of, of uh, our value system at the club. But if you have it and you can donate, it would, help, it would go a long way. We're trying to alleviate it's bad enough being sick. But when you have to pay rent and you actually have to work, she's actually working. She's working the overnight shift in Portland, Maine, stock and shelf. She's actually an essential worker. She took the job because even though she's sick, they need income. And this is what we're trying to do. So, whatever you can do to help would be hugely appreciative. Uh, Like I said, it's bad enough you're sick, but when you have to start worrying about bills and literally rent and food and groceries, and, you know, it's just, it's uh, it's an enormous task. So that's what we're doing. That's the purpose of this event. And it's also uh, just the, where everybody's coming from. That's where everybody's coming from. So right now I want to introduce to you, uh, this gentleman is such a talent. He, uh, it's amazing the roads that people have taken in, in their careers. Uh, he started at Ding Ho, but he, he actually started in upstate New York with Barry Cremins when he was just a kid. He's gonna tell you all about that. He is a voiceover guy. He's the only people that voiceover and um, uh, sound effects people are the only people in Hollywood that are gainfully employed during this pandemic because they can-
7: Psychiatrists. Psychiatrists.
0: Psychiatrists. sorry for the long intro tom but i just want to let you know i want to tell people how inside baseball i am to hollywood i really i might live in cambridge but i know what's happening in hollywood okay ladies and gentlemen please welcome (laughs) the voice the voice of spongebob did i say that the voice of spongebob the one and only tom kenny welcome tom hey hey how you doing ting I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. I'm doing great. One, one of the
7: neighbor kids dropped this by today. There's actually a SpongeBob <laughs> coronavirus mask, so uh, I, I think I get an eighth of a cent from every one of those that's so cool. uh, That's great, so, man. How you, King, nobody asks about the host. How are you holding up? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is a long show. There's a
0: lot of people on this show. Please. I used to host... This is like the Avengers endgame of, of Zoom calls. There, you know, there's... a i used to host tuesday night open mic night and i i fashioned it after lenny's show which started seven and would end at two so i'm i'm used to the three hour i'm i'm used to the three hour slot you're in it to win it baby i'm in it to win it (laughs) what's fascinating about you tom you're the voice of spongebob you're the voice of all these characters you're up for all kinds of emmys you're up for another emmy this year but you started with barry and goldthwaite in Skinny Atlas, New York, and some place where you're only 16 years old, and your parents weren't happy. Tell us about. <laughs> yes, that. Uh, first time that anybody's ever
7: used uh, my name and fascinating in the same sentence. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, Bobcat and I went to high school together. We were childhood friends. Uh, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, or Bobby Goldway, as all the uh, the, the uh, Boston guys pronounce it. Hey, you're friends with that uh, Bobby Goldway, aren't you? Bobby Goldway. Well, it's actually goldthwaite Yeah, Goldway. That's what I said. But uh, anyway, uh, so we were 16 years old. We're in high school and Barry had taken out an ad. This was like pre-comedy uh, boom, right? It was yeah. 1978. Right. And Bear, Barry had taken out an ad in this, the alternative uh, local paper, the the Boston Phoenix of Syracuse, I guess, the Syracuse New Times. Yeah. And, you know, com, you know, have you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy? I'm, I'm going to start a stand-up comedy, a little ad about that big. And Bobcat and I said, let's go. We're, we're going to go. We, we, we found our friend Bill Judkins, who was a year older than us and had a driver's license, so he drove us out there. and we walked in and there was Barry Crimmins. And to encounter that guy, when you're 16 years old, you're just starting to kind of uh, uh, hear about and learn about think people like Kurt Vonnegut and stuff like that. And, and then like, bam, here's this guy in your life. And he was, you know, this weird mystery of Kurt Vonnegut and Mort Saul and Shea Guevara. And he was kind of cranky when he found out that we were children, you know? Like, we <laughs> showed up at this bar and, and uh, yeah.
3: Hey, we're here about the
7: ad in the newspaper. You know? <laughs> we're in response to your ad in the newspaper, we want to do some comedy. And, <laughs> and it, nobody could sigh like Crimmins. Like his sighs went on for like five minutes, right? <laughs> so he just goes he takes a look at us he's smoking a cigarette he's got that walrus mustache and he just goes you know like good old mr wilson from dennis the menace you know yeah, right? he, he like looks at us and just goes, uh, <laughs> uh, like lurch from adam's family times 10 you know and he goes <laughs> you didn't tell me you were children we're like, well, you, you didn't ask, just put us on stage. you know. And we just, it's funny, like Barry was one of those guys, like comedians are mostly people who don't give a crap what people think about you, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you don't really care. You know, I don't care what the, what people think. I'm just gonna be myself and do what I do. With Barry, he was one of those few people that you really did crave his validation. And when he gave you that validation, it really meant something. You know, you were kind of like, a made man never mind that like you know at that time he was sleeping on a cot in the boiler room of this bar uh, in in skinny atlas uh, right. you know, we really wanted him to like us and when he thought we were funny that night instantly he stopped treating us like kids and he treated us like just funny people yeah okay why don't you come back next week I'll put you on and that was so hugely validating and it was also the exact night where i stopped caring about high school or or you know chemistry class or uh, trigonometry or anything you, uh, you one know. of barry's peers yeah you just wanted to do that you're yeah. like all i can think about while i'm in high school is that in seven days i'm going to be doing some stuff that i wrote on a piece of paper i'm going to say it into a microphone and crimmins is going to give me five bucks you know I, maybe this is something that a, a person can do for a living and yeah. then i moved to boston and barry
0: was kind of a wheel there bobcat said hold um, up for a second before we get to boston tom i'm interested in how your parents reacted to- oh <laughs>
7: <laughs> that's always cracked me up oh yeah because you know obviously pre-cell phones and everything you had your one family phone that was you know hung on the right. wall in your, your right. family's kitchen and so crimins would call to tell us uh, you know stuff about the shows at the at the old stone mill in skinny atlas so he would call up my mother would answer hello county residents Hey, uh, yeah, is Tom in? <laughs> Let me put him on. And she goes, who is that guy that's calling you? Who is he? Well, how old is he? I don't know. He's like 24, 25, maybe 30. I don't know. You know, he's, he's, you know, we were these man cubs, and he was this grown-up dude, you know, with a mustache and everything. And my mother, <laughs> my mother was like, I don't know. There's something weird about a grown man calling high school boys. There's something weird about this. <laughs> and uh, you know, eventually she came around, but it, you know we were like Rupert Pupkin down in the basement. You know, Mom, it's about my comedy show. Shut up! You know. It's, uh... <laughs> so you come to Boston, and what happens? Well, uh, the Ding Ho was kind of the first place that I went to. I, I uh, Bobby Goldwaite, Bobby Goldwaefer, had just uh, had just <laughs> moved, moved to San Francisco, and he said, "Come to Boston. You need to get out of Smallville. Come to Metropolis. Start doing comedy. You know, get out of Syracuse. I've got an apartment, and Crimmins is a wheel here. You know." And so uh, so I, I went to the ding ho took whatever how many like Brian uh, like 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 uh, Brian Kylie and other people you take a few buses and and yeah. and wound up on stage Lenny brought me up on stage and again I did pretty good you know like 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 really good I, I didn't bomb until a, a, a couple of times later right so by then the hook is the hook is already in your mouth you know once yeah. you've done well so yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah that was it and then I, I you know I, I didn't stay in Boston very long you know I only stayed a year before I moved to California but it was hugely formative. People like Mike McDonald and Barry, you know, actually, like I said, putting money in your hand to say stuff out loud that you wrote in a notebook, it kind of let you know that you weren't
0: psychotically delusional. Right, right. It's an unbelievable feeling to just think of something, write it down, say it in front of people and get immediate response. It's very addicting because it's just so validating. It validates your, your thoughts, your thought
7: process. That's right. And, and, you know, I haven't done stand-up, you know, in a lot of years, you know, cause I got pulled into other things, but, but Barry, one great thing about Barry was that he wasn't a jealous type, you know, like he was very magnanimous and he stayed proud of all these guys that are on this show tonight, you know, like yeah. he was very proud. Like when you would do something, he felt proud. Like he was proud of of, of Bobby gowaif and all the stuff that Bobby did. And, and, and he kept tabs on me right. and, and what I was doing. And one of the greatest uh, or, you know, One of the most beautiful validations I've gotten in my life was that when Barry was sick and Helen sent me a photo of Barry lying in bed watching TV and on the, you know, on the TV is, is, is Spongebob, you know, and it it was heavy. It tore me up, you know, it's it's like, you know, that was Barry. I I don't know that I'd be doing what I was doing if it wasn't for a a bear cat and bobcat.
0: That's, that's great. Uh, Tommy, you're the voice of Spongebob. Just briefly how many (laughs) how many other voices are you are are you the voice of and because we're going to go to a clip we're going to show a stand we're going to show a little thing on uh spongebob then we're going to go to a clip of you doing stand-up comedy in 1992 uh and the la uh la riots the la tom is moving into la the day after the the verdict of the rodney king verdict uh and the place has exploded in rebellion and tom is going through the streets, and this is a hilarious bit. But just tell the people what other voices you are. Cool. You're SpongeBob, SquarePants.
7: Oh, man, um, uh, my IMDb is crazy. Like, I think somebody said there's, like, close to 500 uh, IMDb credits on it. But, you know, Powerpuff Girls, Rick and Morty, uh, Adventure Time, uh, a Family Guy. Uh, 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 all these animated shows. Just, just,
0: just,
7: I forget it all, yeah.
0: But you're nominated for an Emmy coming up? yeah yeah I,
7: I just got nominated for an emmy uh for spongebob so so uh hopefully uh hopefully we'll get it
0: that's awesome man i think we're all gonna get a nominated for an emmy for this show we're Yay! gonna get a zoomie we're gonna get a zoom <laughs> <letters laughs> don't jinx it don't jinx it ting don't jinx it all right check this out tom kenny as spongebob squarepants and then explaining the la riots from the privacy of his new bedroom <laughs>
3: the best
14: time to wear a striped sweater is all the time the one with the collar turtleneck that's the kind so i recently moved here uh... actually i swear that i I moved into a new apartment on the day that the looting and the rioting began yeah perfect timing you know i'm carrying furniture through the street so is everyone else (laughs) I had no idea what was going on. Gee, I guess everybody's moving this weekend, (laughs) Major, major exodus. Yeah. Dusk to dawn curfew, wasn't that weird? Being a prisoner prisoner in your own apartment. And my new apartment is on like Pico and La Brea, like three, four blocks away from where stuff was burning. So the stuff that I was watching on CNN was the exact same stuff I could see out the window of my apartment. yeah, I was getting confused. I'm pointing the remote at the window. <laughs> hey, must be out of batteries. Where's Nickelodeon? F Troop is on tonight. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, scary. Some of those images from CNN will just burn into my head forever. Yeah, I remember the CNN cameras happened to catch this one guy coming out of the burned-out, decimated front window of a furniture store. In his hands, he has two big, bright yellow vinyl beanbag chairs, and he's just running, (laughs) running like the wind, uh, 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 with this great beatific smile on his face. You know what I mean? I've had my eye on those things since 1976. (laughs) Now they're mine. You know. Uh, Just visiting them every day. You know. Someday, my pets, there will be social upheaval. You are the first thing that I am coming in after. I love yellow vinyl, how it feels on my skin. <laughs> <laughs> it was so here, yeah, two vinyl beanbag chairs. Everybody else had TVs and stereos and VCRs. Uh, this guy went for door number three, the beanbag chair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's like going on Let's Make a Deal, you choose your curtain, it opens, and it's Jay sitting on a mule. <laughs> <laughs> he lost the game. Sorry, we have some nice turtle wax and Eskimo Pies for you backstage, Mr. Vinyl Chair Guy.
0: Tom Kenny. The multi talented Tom Kenny, voiceovers, stand up, acting, friend of Barry's, friend of Bobcat Goldthwaite's, Ding Ho alumni, and he's here for you tonight on Zoom. Our final performer in the first act, our final guest in the first act, is, um, and after that, like I said, we're going to a quick intermission. Martin Olson will be back playing piano. It's five minutes. Again, you know, because this is Zoom, it is open bar go to your refrigerator, get whatever you want, go to the restroom, go to your restroom, be courteous, tip your spouse, maybe tip your spouse, maybe be kind to the people that you see in your own home. Can we do that? We have a pandemic, we have an economic crisis, the social upheaval, be kind to people, ladies and gentlemen, in your own home. And please welcome to the show, a man who um made, really helped Barry's life. and First of all, did a great service. To, to Kremen's life, but also did a great service to filmmaking and educating people in, in this country about child abuse and about sexual child abuse and about uh, the horrors of that. And also the perseverance, the talent, the courage and the uh, overall genuine goodness of and and comedic sensibilities of uh, Barry Kremen's. Please welcome Mr. Bobby Goldway.
13: Hey, Ting, how are you? Brother Bob, look at you with the cowboy hat, brother. You yeah. look good. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you. And, and thank you so much for doing this. Uh, uh, Lenny brought this up, but y- you did mention, when you were talking about Helen, you, 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 you said that, uh, Barry was always happy. That was the quote you said. You're talking about Barry Crimmins, right? Not Barry Nightcrew. What the fuck, Barry was always happy? Barry woke up mad. Barry was always happy. Well, he was happy. very happy. He was very happy when when he he found Helen, and it's really nice that you're doing this. But uh, let's not. Uh, <laughs> Barry, was my friend, and I'm here to support him. He was a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> look, I look, I have Barry tattooed on me. Oh my God, you do? Yeah, he do. he hate he hated this. <laughs> and then he got really mad when I added the gun right over his head. But yeah, so, so yeah, I do love the guy, but I'm not gonna rewrite his history. The guy, I, was, <laughs> I he, hear it. he used to call me up one night. I was asleep and it's 3 a.m. and I get this phone call and it's, it's, Ugh. you know, no hello. And I was like, oh, uh, hi, Barry. And he goes, Ugh. I go, what's wrong? And he goes, you suck. <laughs> I go, well, Barry, what did I do? He goes, you suck. Yeah. And I, I go, what's wrong? He goes, Well, I'm drunk and I thought <laughs> I'd call a movie star up and tell him he sucks. So <laughs> you know, you know, uh <laughs> hey, that's me, Chance Langton. <laughs> chance, mute, mute yourself, chance, please.
9: Oh, okay, I couldn't <laughs>
13: stop laughing. Hi, Chance. It's good to see your name. <laughs> All right, I think I think chance is unmuted.
0: Oh, well, it, that's hilarious about Barry. You know, he was a He was a happy commercial.
13: but, but you know, Don nicknamed him Hap. Yeah. Hap. <laughs> well, Hap, uh, uh, Tommy cleaned up that story because when we met him when we were kids, actually Barry, when he saw us, and he said, Oh, you're children. And he goes, he goes, what is this? The fucking Kitty core? <laughs> I still don't know what that means, but I was terrified of him. He just reminded me of, like, The Wizard of Oz. There was, you know, he always was smoking, so there was, like, smoke. Like, sometimes I think smoke was coming out of him. Not, (laughs) like, through his ears or something. But, hey, um, uh, I know you got a lot of folks here. Um, I did love Barry. Barry was, was,
0: what's up? We're thrilled that you're here, man. I know it's tough for you to do this, but... You made a lot of time for it, and you, you were at all the rehearsals. And you- Yeah, I'm,
13: well, I'm super out. busy. I've, I've got, can I plug? I'm gonna be on uh, yeah, sure. Comics, Comics Unleashed with Byron Allen. Yeah, man, when is that? No, 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 I'm kidding. So, uh, so listen- uh, Tomorrow night home show. Here's the thing. So uh, uh, he was my mentor and we had this relationship and, and I made the movie of him and I, I wanna show a clip that's unseen material from Barry uh, you know Barry is a political satirist and and he 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 fought for change and I think it's important that people just w- watch this clip uh, this didn't make the movie but it gives you an idea of Barry's political outlook on life so can we show that clip sure I think it's "Pertain", pertain still now
0: Barry was a satirist, I knew he was a human rights activist, <laughs> I knew he was a
13: poet and a writer. I never knew he was an actor. Well, uh, so that was a show called Beans Baxter, and the, and I told the director that he should, he's gotta hire this guy. And oh. uh, Barry would be the first one to admit that he, he, did, he was not very good at acting uh, at that time. Uh, so, smooth. <laughs> so he, uh, the director called me up and he said, um, the director called me up and he goes, are you mad at me? Why did you tell me to hire this guy? And so they killed Barry before the opening credits, and had Rick Overton come in and play the rest of his part as his brother, trying to avenge Barry's death. Oh my God! Two out. Well, that was beautiful. That
0: was wow. beautiful. Tell me, um, you're working on something else. You're working on an actual film.
13: Uh, <laughs> we talked like about rest of- that. Or not? I'm, I'm like, the rest of them, my body of work. No, no, no I'm, so, I'm a feature. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing an, yeah, we can talk about it. I've it. I've been working with Judd Apatow, and we're making a narrative film about Barry and Barry's life, which is funny because originally, I didn't want to do a documentary. I was going to do a, a narrative film with someone else playing Barry. And then, as I heard Barry doing interviews and feeling uh, uh, comfortable with his story, and also, I wanted Robin Williams to play Barry and and Robin said, he goes, we're all getting too old. You better make a documentary. So, so that's how Call Me Lucky came about. Uh, Robin gave me some money and we started the movie. But, um, so Barry did know that I was working on this narrative film towards the end of his life. And I went to visit him and Helen. And he says to me, I have to tell you something. And I, I think he's going to tell me that, that he loves me, or, or or where the money's buried, or I don't know, and and he goes, this is important. And he could barely walk and he goes, um, I want Mark Ruffalo to play me in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I go, Barry, I don't wanna talk about the movie. He goes, I think we should talk about it now. He goes, I want Mark Ruffalo. And then I go, oh, I want Chris Pine to play me. And Barry goes, who the fuck is Chris Pine? I go, how do you know Mark Ruffalo? He goes, oh, I've never seen him act, but I really like him at the fracking demonstrations. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. It's a great thing you've done tonight. And all the comics, it was so great to see everybody. And uh, and uh, and and my love goes out to Helen. And, and thank you everybody that's donating. That's so nice yeah. of you. It's awesome. And
0: B- Bobby, it's a great thing you did making that film. Because I meant, what I was trying to say was, in the closing years of his life, the last five years, you know, that film came out because he didn't get the commercial success, and he didn't get, you know, he did wasn't filling stadiums uh, like, you know, a lot of comics. Right. I mean, he he struggled for many many years and played, his, you know, worked no, really.
13: But hard. but I mean, as as Tom Kenny was nice enough to say that, you know, he, you know, I wouldn't be who I am, and I wouldn't have had the career I have if it wasn't for Tom Kenny, and if it wasn't for Barry, Barry you know i had props when i first did my act and he's like Ugh. he goes the best case scenario is you're gonna end up in vegas with a u-haul <laughs> like, losing the props so I,
0: I had to drop the props well, well bob i think it's nice that you mentioned um tom kenny i think it's very nice that you mentioned barry what about thanking young Jim Tingle for some of your career? How well, about? You that? T- ting- I doing Mark's Pub in Watertown in '81. I well, never you- hear anything. I do not get no Christmas cards. I said thanks, Ting, for the gig in Watertown in '81. I don't get anything. Well, I'd like to you thank you, me can't you for that. Never told but... about me, huh? I would. I... <laughs>
13: <laughs> the Tingle story. The Tingle story, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is not the Bernie Rubble story. It's the Jimmy Tingle story. I would um i will thank you publicly uh for uh, you know you you uh you got me out of jail uh when i was on acid and uh and i think i did some coke and i was drinking and i was hitchhiking in watertown with no pants and i'm like telling the cops i'm a i'm a comedian and they are go yeah you're <laughs> hilarious but i have a question because you picked me up and took me to knicks and i went on stage and then i had pants where did we get the pants from that's the other thing you owe me my pants back <laughs> you, you never gave those pants you, you completely
0: have not given me credit for helping you in the watertown circuit and you, you took my own pants
13: i have to say uh, and then i stopped drinking after that and i haven't since for 39 years but oh, i know that night i was uh i remember uh being out of control and i was smashing up paul barkley's house oh. and and I think, and I could be corrected, hopefully that someone will correct me, but people decided that the best thing to do was to knock me out. So people, <laughs> I feel like it was Don Gavinson, knock him out. <laughs> so <people laughs> were trying to knock me out. Hey, Bobby, yeah, when you got
0: sober, that was a game changer for a lot of people, not immediately, but you helped me, you helped a lot of people, and I'm not gonna name any names, but when I did the Tonight Show, when I did the Tonight Show in '88, I stayed at your house, and and I had 88 days of sobriety, and I stayed yeah, I at your house yeah. that night, man. And you <laughs> came to the show, and Joe Yunetti, who's coming up later, was there, and I think Tom Cat might have been there. But
13: I love you. You helped that, me. That with sobriety. was when I. That's when I still could get into the Tonight Show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> before, before I set it on fire. Before you <laughs> lit Jay Leno's desk on fire.
0: But you helped a lot of people with that sobriety move, man. Yeah and thank you, and you helped Barry enormously, making that, Uh, giving him the artistic credit that he deserves, so thank you,
13: brother. uh, Love you, and
0: this clip we're gonna watch right now.
13: Oh, we're just gonna, uh, this is the trailer for folks who aren't, we're talking about Barry, and we're talking about Call Me Lucky. Uh, I really wish they'd just play him falling down the hill again. No, but this is the trailer for uh, Call Me Lucky, and, it was, a, you know, watching it with Barry was hilarious because he had never seen the movie and I'm sitting there at Sundance and Barry sitting next to me. He's like going, ugh, ugh, ugh. Why'd you talk to this asshole? And I go, <laughs> I go, Barry, wait till the end of the movie. I make you Jesus.
0: Oh, that's funny, man. Well, everybody, a lot of people are walking, how, how can I hear more about Crimmins? How can I learn more?
13: Yeah, it's so on I mean, Amazon Prime oh, right now. Uh, Amazon call
0: Prime, call me lucky. Amazon Prime, call me lucky rent it or download it or whatever they do pay for it you it's well worth it it's his story bobby made it it's a tribute to a great man and you're a great director bobby and oh. it's, it's awesome that robin williams kicked in the money to help this man And i know robin williams is one of your best friends and everybody's sad about what happened and you've been through a lot between robin and kremen's losing your two best friends but you persevere like yeah. always said. i, I was
13: you. i was both their best men uh so so if Any of my friends watching, uh, you know, uh, don't ask me to be your best man. (laughs) It's it's a slippery slope, man. Something you don't want to do. Enjoy this clip. Thank you, Bobby. I'll talk to you later. Love you, Ting. Love you too.
2: Well, there's a couple of things I have to accomplish, and if I do, I think I'll be able to put my little tile in the grand mosaic of life, and those two things are, I'd like to overthrow the government of the United States, and I'd like to close the Catholic Church.
4: Barry Crimmins was uh, this weird mythical force. He'd all of these great humorists: all of Poundstone,
14: Lenny, Kevin Meaney, Curtis Leary. He was a guy who you heard about before you actually saw this. Whispered about presents. I never met anyone like him. He's just this
7: combination of Noam Chomsky and Bluto.
2: I got caught smuggling books into Kentucky. Got off on a technicality. No one could prove they were books. Why do women go to the bathroom in Paris? Because they get hassled by drunk men. He would go into a rage. I watch the kind of stuff I can do here. Just get out! I don't
14: like you. He stopped, I think, worrying about whether he was being funny or not.
0: There was a lot of personal things that happened in his life
4: when he was young that came out later. It was
10: uh, the most shocking thing, I think,
4: in my life that I heard.
2: It's scary for anybody of any age to really see someone who's the face of evil.
13: When AOL was in its infancy, he was looking for other survivors in the chat room.
8: Barry called me up, he said, look at this. And I went, wow, I couldn't believe, you know what I was seeing.
4: I just can't imagine pretending to be one of these people that caused him such misery.
8: He was angry. He
14: essentially left us with a big problem. He damaged himself to save these kids.
2: After months of knocking on AOL's door, I was suddenly face to face before the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. AOL is the key link in a network of child pornography
14: traffickers. They weren't quite sure what to make of Barry. He could not surrender being rude funny, obnoxious truth-tellers. I can't think of anybody that I respect more than Barry. He's a reminder that you do have power.
2: No matter what they do, I'm a witness to what you can go on to become. Call me lucky.